For the week of January 19th, 2020, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. This week, as we eagerly await the mid-February premiere of the seventh season of The Clone Wars, we begin our review of the final ten episodes of Star Wars Resistance, starting with episode ten, Kaz's Curse, and episode eleven, Station to Station. And to help me cover this is John. John, how you doing? Oh, I am. I'm missing Baby Yoda. Uh, very excited to see Tam back. Like we got, you know, we got some, some meaty Star Wars resistance this week, so it's all good having fun, but geez, I could go for another round of Mandalorian. <laughs> I am definitely missing that show now that we've had a couple weeks of distance from it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, before we get into our review of the 10th episode of mm-hmm. resistance, I just wanted to mention, so we have a, an era of which that will be covered in the next next trilogy of Star Wars, which will be the High Republic era. We don't have a lot to say about this uh, because there's really not a lot to know. What we do know is that it's the High Republic era. The Jedi, they were a thing. They were expanding. Other than that, I don't have much of a knowledge here. Uh, yeah, John, do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, it's obviously going to be sort of a, a slow news cycle for the next little while because we know that these movies are a ways off. I don't even know if we're entirely sure whether it's a trilogy that we're talking about. We're just talking about the next series of movies, I yeah. think is how they're putting it. You know, they're, they're keeping all their, their options open at this point. But yeah, they're calling it High Republic. And maybe, you know, that's terminology that's already established in the Star Wars universe. Um, I don't think I've ever come across it referred to that way, but... I think the general idea from, from what I understand is we're talking about halfway between the old Republic era, like a thousand years before the events of the movies and, you know, the fall of the, the Republic. So we're, I think they're saying somewhere in the neighborhood of like 400 years before yeah. the fall of the Republic, which would put us squarely into Yoda territory, like Yoda in his prime. Um, we're seeing the Jedi maybe before they became a little bit more, you know, bureaucratic and bloated and ineffectual. We might see them more as the warrior monk knights that I think maybe we assume they were based on what we heard from, like, especially in the old uh, trilogy, the original trilogy. We got a sense that there was more of a mystique to them. They, they weren't just these, uh, you know, uh, wizard police officers of the Republic. So to maybe see a, a different take on the Jedi might be interesting, but I'm flying blind. I, I know very little about what they're shooting for here, other than it's fresh territory. They've opened up the playing field. We're in an era that's so uncharted that we can do anything we want with it. And I think that's really what's fun about this news. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And then we also have, individuals that think they know what the high republic is and i get it i understand we we as fans like to hold on to things like legends and the and the really mm, uh, right. especially my generation that was kind of our generation of star wars we had we had you know the the prequel trilogies through growing up for us but then uh beyond that that was kind of just uh a little bit of a of a drug for us to dive into some of the other Jedi lore. And so mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of us dove into legends. So I had a conversation with some some person that I'm friends with and they you know they were saying that oh yeah we know what the High Republic is the Jedi and it, it's you know whatever it was that he was saying. But I'm just like, well since Disney has taken it over, we have to understand that 
no era other than the ones that have been established by Disney right. canon are actually what we think. So we never know what happens as far as what, what way they go. I think it's safe that this is going to be about the Jedi. I think it's safe to say it's going to be about uh, the growth of their, of their, you know, whatever the Republic, however you want to put it, the warrior monks. I think that's what we're getting into. And <laughs> sure. it's safe for Disney to, to tread on this water because there hasn't been a lot of this established in our current yeah. canon. So, Hey, we get movies. We know that Disney's moving forward with it in spite of what people want to say about the, this last movie or the last two movies, really. <laughs> Disney's moving forward with Star Wars. We're getting Star Wars no matter what. So, yeah. Internet trolls, go back into your cave. Yeah, for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, now, I'm optimistic because as much as I feel like Disney kind of fumbled things with this last trilogy, I also understand that there were a lot of competing agendas and a lot of pressure on them and they were on the clock too with the original cast not getting any younger you know like there was just it had to happen now if they were going to do a trilogy that revisited the original cast and you know was set uh reasonably close to the uh original movies mm-hmm. um and i understand why that was the safe play you know you've bought this ip you need to get everyone back on board and uh, appease the haters from the the prequels and uh bring back into the fold uh the old fogies the old trilogy guys i understand that they were walking so many lines and we got what we got out of it but they basically have a chance to rebuild this ip from the ground up without any of that being a factor it's it's like when they rebooted the James Bond franchise with Daniel Craig um, 15 years right. ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they're just stripping it back and they're saying what makes a good Bond movie or what makes a good Star Wars movie and let's see if we can regain our footing and take another run at this. And I don't know, like e- even though this past trilogy had its highs and lows, Disney knows how to turn out a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like when they shepherd a studio and enable it to do great things like what we've seen with Marvel they can do great things and they can do it relatively consistently. So I don't know. We just gotta, gotta wait and see, but man, I'm, I'm really hopeful that, uh, this is going to be the breath of fresh air that the franchise needs to really regain its footing and hopefully turn out something that's really stunning. You know, not just a movie, just something that's really epic that really gets the fans engaged. Yeah, I think that this is definitely the smart move for Disney. As soon when Disney acquired Lucasfilm back in 2012, right. this was my first comment: is that this was for them to pursue, of course, eventually the Old Republic, and if the High Republic plays into that, which I'm sure it will. I mean, let's keep in mind there isn't really an Old Republic canon, so no, no, High Republic and Old Republic could be synonymous to each other in in this world and Disney's canon. So you never know. Sure, we'll we'll see how it works out. They are, of course, are making the decisions, but yeah, there's not much here. We don't really <laughs> even know if this is Feige's thing he's taking on. So I mean, well, I'm pretty sure that if, yeah. if if this is really the only theatrical track that they're on right now. The only stuff that's actually legitimately in pre-production with a release date, uh, it has to be Feige's because yeah. he's the only one that hasn't either been fired or walked or just is in limbo because of weird, you know, fan reactions. Um, he's the only one that I think is still viable right now to oh, hopefully yeah. steer the the ship on the next one. So this has to be what he's got his his fingers in. Right, and it's definitely a yeah. smart move because the complaints that we have had about Star Wars, us, me, and you has hmm. been that there hasn't really been anyone really directing exactly. the ship, right? And so they have an opportunity to start something from scratch with very little knowledge. So it's it's definitely the obvious decision to let this be Feige's 
thing that he controls or, or maybe not necessarily control, but is, is the guy that makes sure that everyone's on the same page. So you have all these, all these guys together, uh, something yeah. beautiful like he did with Marvel where the directors are all, you know, they're sitting at a round table together and they're talking about this stuff and they're making sure it all fits. So yeah. yeah. Other than that, it's a new sandbox. It's a new sandbox. It's a chance to do new world building. Mm-hmm. And he's the right guy to know how to keep all the pieces in check, you know, and, and balance all those needs. So I, I think we kind of know where things are headed, but so many questions at this point, mm-hmm. um, they've, they've released just enough information to pique my interest and I will wait with bated breath to see what, uh, they all come up with. I hope it's good. Yeah. Other than that, should we get into this episode <laughs> of star Wars resistance? Let's do it. Season two, episode 10, Kaz's curse. After a few lucky rounds of a game, Kaz is cursed by a pirate, causing him to think, ah, uh, he gets cursed by pirate. <laughs> We're not even going to go through the, I'm the whole uh, synopsis. <laughs> yeah, so um, we have two episodes to cover tonight. And before we you know, hit record here, I said to you in no uncertain terms, look, move as quick as you want on Kaz's curse, because I have so little to say about that episode, but I'm really excited about episode 11 station to station, but let's, you know, let's not, um, rob the audience of any riches here. Um, we have what I think can reasonably be considered a a filler episode. You know, there's, there's no great, uh, movement of the plot here. We get a a little standalone adventure where Kaz basically has his confidence sapped because Mm -hmm. even though he's not really bumbling any more than he normally is, for some reason, he's convinced that, uh, uh, this is because uh, of a curse that was put on him by one of the pirates that hangs out at the station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, uh, he seems to be able to do no right until he talks to the relic hunter lady Mika. who, you know, now hangs out and I guess is our, our, our station fortune teller. Yeah. And she gives him a little totem, which is effectively the, the wizard of Oz gambit, right? Like <laughs> give him, yeah, give him a, a little something or other to give them their confidence back when really it was in their heart the whole time. And that's the big lesson of the episode lovely <laughs> but uh there's not much more meat on the bones than that you know i that was a light bulb moment for me it definitely clicked on as soon as you said that and i'm gonna yes. say it didn't help <laughs> much no uh no well uh, so here's the thing maybe john maybe we're too picky with our comedy maybe this was an absolutely great comedic episode i'm sure kids were loving sure. it that watched it maybe there were even some adults that aren't as picky as us as far as what what we like to consume as comedy uh there are definitely some good things and so approaching this episode i was about mm. two minutes into it and i realized it was going to be another one and instead of me just complaining about it the whole time which i've done with a few of these resistance episodes i've decided to look for the good so while i wasn't a fan of the story while i thought that it was extremely cheesy and i'm talking like (laughs) this is approaching holiday special type of (laughs) cheese all right uh uh yeah we did get the aces we -hmm. got some uh aces fighting so they fought the guavian death gang that's an interesting series of characters to bring back up right you have these guavian death gangs that's of course introduced in the force awakens we don't get much from them they're just kind of mentioned thrown out there we know that han solo comes in conflict with them so we know they have a presence in the galaxy we see that they have a presence and they have kind of a territory that they're roping off and they're collect they're basically being pirates like you know hey if you're coming through here pay a toll they're extortionists yeah right so we see that uh, we get Mika, and uh, as soon as we were introduced to this Mika and Relic Raider, we both agreed that we wanted to see more of her. 
And while we didn't get exactly what we wanted to see, we got her more uh, nonetheless. So we see her be a voodoo person, sure. fortune teller, yeah. however yeah. you want to put it. We mm-hmm. see her doing that. I didn't really see that coming. But we also see that she's kind of she's kind of scamming the system as well. Like she's yeah. she's the Wizard of Oz. Hey, come to me and I'll give you your confidence, or I'll I'll tell you all this stuff. So yeah, yeah. of course she's she's collecting her money. However you want to approach that. Uh, yeah. Other than that, though, I really like the aces here. I thought that Kaz had a really good moment. So in spite of all this curse stuff and him thinking that he's cursed and yeah, that storyline, <laughs> we do get him getting into the cockpit and mm-hmm. helping out the aces and doing actually a good job. He was actually a good pilot in this episode, right? Like he helped his his buddies. Uh, hopefully, and I'm being optimistic about this, hopefully this leads into this kind of finale for Resistance, where we see Kaz being this good leader, this pilot. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that, the animation, always on point. I love that. I will never complain about the animation in the show. It is so well done. But yeah, this story, it didn't do it for me, but I did see those, those good things in there. Yeah, the the space battle stuff, I'm always a sucker for that. Like, that's fun. And putting it in the asteroid belt where, you know, they blow up the asteroids and that aids them and being able to use that sort of as flak to take out the Guavian death gang. All that is great. It was just wrapped in a really cheesy mm-hmm. bow this week. And so it, that kind of sapped a little bit of the fun out of it. Um, but you know what? Uh, it's still serviceable. Like you said, bringing the Guavian death gang into it and giving you a bit more context for that that group of villains um, that'll make watching the force awakens a little bit more fun. You know, there's fun to be had here, but this is a more juvenile episode. So of course it's not going to resonate as much with us. Um, And that's why, you know, we probably don't need to harp on it. There's nothing wrong with this kind of fair. It just isn't what we were hoping for because as we've been saying week over week, we're really ready to get back to Tam and you know, the, the real heart of this story. So yeah, this episode, take it or leave it. But fortunately, Fortunately, uh, I think we're going to get our wish momentarily. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get into season two, episode 11, station to station. Tam and Rucklin are ordered to go on an important supply run to a refueling ship, the Titan, which is the same model as the Colossus. Meanwhile, Kaz and Niku are on the same fueling station looking for a piece of technology for the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Now this, I was, as soon as... The, the credits opened up and we see TIE fighters and we see First Order. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, this is what I want here. Because it, like we already said, the animation is so great. It looks so amazing. And so that pulls you in. And then knowing that we're getting back into the First Order, we're seeing what's going on with them. Was It, was, it, it just got better from that point. So we see that uh, the Tam and Ruckland, they go on this supply run. And Tam was really excited that she was about to get a, a good mission. And it turns out it was still just a supply run. So we see that she's, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, disappointed? Yeah, well, yeah, she's definitely disappointed in that. But she's kind of the, the go get type. Like, she wants oh, a new okay, thing. Yeah, yeah she, she's, she's still got a gung-ho attitude. Oh, absolutely. And we yeah. see that, that Ruckland, he's kind of the cocky character. He thinks he deserves right, the, right. the he's big more mission entitled. when right, he right. really doesn't. 
but yeah. and, and that that plays into this episode. So everything from start to finish in this episode was you get Ruckland, he's a go get him. He wants he wants the big mission, he wants that promotion, and then we see that play out 24 minutes later when he actually does something in pursuit of something he said earlier, which right. you don't get too much of in in shows like this. So that was nice to see that this writing was really good. It was it was good writing for this episode. Yeah, we're seeing what side of the line our two characters are going to fall on. They both join the First Order. They're both not terrible people, but at the end of the day, which one is going to maintain their humanity and which one's going to be actually willing to sell out their friends in, in a moment of desperation? We see that. And so that really underscores this episode and gives it a little bit more heft. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I like how all that unfolded, but that's the back half of the episode. <laughs> we still got a lot of ground to cover. Right. So... Now here's another thing that I got really tickled over. So we, mm. I mean, so Tam, Tam gets into the Titan. She arrives there and she thinks she sees Kazuda disguised as a technician. Yeah, that's not Kazuda. That's Matt the radar tech. Well, and I look at that and I'm like, huh, I've seen that outfit before. Right. And sure enough, this is the same outfit. And I like, I like how they did this. This is just really good. I think this is, uh, this might be Filoni's doing. Oh, no, no. You don't? Well, maybe, maybe, but Bobby Moynihan's on the show. That's true. And Bobby Moynihan was in that sketch. Yep. So yeah, as a stormtrooper. Yeah. So, I mean, like he, coming in for voice acting, it doesn't mean that you're mm -hmm. like necessarily, uh, appealing to the story group or anything, Right. but it obviously SNL is enough of a cultural institution and star Wars fans in particular are going to seek out that sketch on YouTube. Like mm -hmm. everyone involved in the production probably got a chuckle mm -hmm. out of watching Kylo Ren go undercover boss. So it makes sense that they would have thought, Oh, well this would be a fun thing. We've got a technician. Why don't we make them into Matt, the radar tech? Yeah. I loved it. I love, I caught it immediately and thought, Oh, you know what? Good on you. You know, that's yeah. fun little Easter egg for anyone in the know. Now it would have been better if Kazudu's name that he adopts for this mission was Matt. That would have been, yeah. that, that would have been great. Matt, I'm the technician. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so we see they, they come in, him and Nico come in as disguises as the technicians in the same outfit that Adam driver wore in, on his right. episode of SNL, which was just great. I thought that was really well done. And then of course we get, Kazoo not being the worst spy in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, you're absolutely right that Kaz seems to be able to execute on a plan in this, right? Like, okay, BB unit, figure out where we need to go. Let's get there. Let's, you know, sneak around and be efficient. And when I need to pull out my uh, technician personality to get Niku out of the hot seat with some stormtroopers, I'm all over it. Like, yeah this was maybe the most capable we've ever seen Kaz, which yeah. is, is refreshing after the last episode, you know, where he can barely stand up. This is great. Yeah. This is a really good one. Of course you can't be too picky, but my brain, it just goes off every time I see this. So if I'm going to be nitpicky, it's going to okay. be okay. Doza, why are you sending the two guys that are probably <laughs> unwanted posters with the resistance? Cause these are the ones that like the higher ups in the resistance that you've come into conflict with have seen these people. Why are you sending them? But anyway, I understand. It's it's not going that deep. They're the heroes of our story. Yeah. It's it's how it's going to go. Uh, now, a thing I was not expecting was getting General Hux in this episode. So, of course, Hux is, of course, on the same station. And we get some narrative from Hux about why the he doesn't necessarily say Colossus explicitly. The refueling but it, stations, yes. But, yeah, basically says we want, we want all of these type of fueling stations, every fueling station in the galaxy, Whichever ones submit to us, great. 
we'll use them. Whichever ones show any type of resistance, we will will basically destroy them. So mm. you bring in this harsh character that we're used to in Star Wars as being kind of this this menacing individual that that will do anything to get his mission across. That will he doesn't care who dies. He doesn't he doesn't really care about the lives at stake. He only cares about completing what's best for his status and what's best for the first order. Right. We get into some conflict, of course, in the rise of Skywalker, but that's, that's kind of beside the point of this, <laughs> sure. at this area, but we get three or four frames that, yeah. that call into question Huck's loyalty, but um, for the time being, yes, he is definitely, um, yeah, the, the, the staunchest ideologue in the mm-hmm. first order and they play that up. Well, you yeah. know, he's just as fiery in this as, as he was in the force awakens or the last Jedi. Yeah, and we, we're also getting, maybe they're building it up as to why we don't see someone like Pyre, this golden stormtrooper in something like The Rise of Skywalker. Maybe they're building that up to where, because we see his relationship with Hux here in this episode, that Pyre's walking on, he's walking on broken glass here. Like, it's, he's, he's kind of tiptoeing around. He, Hux right. is picking on him because he's, he's messed up a little too many times. Basically, you've let the resistance get through your fingers three times now. So we see that relationship where, where Pyre is, of course, on edge because Hux is here. So maybe maybe we see the downfall of Pyre before the end of this. I, I could be, you know, who knows? But I thought that this <laughs> this story with Hux, it was so small, but it was meaningful because I think it stayed true to the character. And I think that it was it, it showed more of him that shows kind of like he has influence. I think the this last movie and even uh, all of the movies we haven't really known the influence that Hux has had. We've we've known he's is really high up to the point where he's giving speeches on his basically right. establishment, which is Starkiller Base. So he's giving that kind of that very Hitlery speech, and then we see him here where he's coming around. People are afraid of him. They don't like that he's on the ship because if they mess up, it's you know it's no go. It's very similar to Moff Gideon where. You have the two scout troopers don't want to go near him because he's just offing people left and right. right. So while Hux isn't that bad, it's it's definitely a similarity where uh, where Hux is he's a menacing guy. So I enjoyed yeah. this part. <laughs> Nobody wants to be on your boss's bad side, right? And you you get the sense, and they don't spell this out, and even less so in the show. But maybe it's just my head cannon. But I got the sense that Hux he was basically in charge of star killer base mm-hmm. like that was basically his his baby that was going to be his claim to fame right and when that all went south he was kind of marginalized so i get the sense of that at this point in his career he's trying to reassert himself mm-hmm. and he's not gonna you know do anything to ever have another mark on his record kind of a thing like he's right now he's trying to work his way back and get in back in the good graces of of the the hierarchy so uh he's all the more determined mm-hmm. To make sure that he's running a tight ship and nobody's stepping out of line, and yeah, you you get all that. He's yeah. he's an intimidating figure. As much as he gets marginalized in the movies, here it's really effective that he's on the ship, and that kind of raises the stakes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's absolutely the case where he's on edge because now he has a new or is does he have a new supreme leader at this point? Well, yeah, Kylo Ren. Because the last Jedi, it just goes by so fast, and it's only a couple hour time period that we really get that that plot between what 
we know that he was on Snoke's ship during the last Jedi yep. and that he was at the battle of Crete in one in, um, Kylo Ren's mm-hmm. whatever his, his personal vulture shuttle, whatever yeah, that so is. So the only way this fits would be this, this way is afterwards. Yep. Yeah. He is not doing cleanup work and trying to reestablish the first order and continuing the, the broader mission until the battle of Crete happened. So yeah, we are in the time period between last Jedi and rise of Skywalker. And we know that over the next year, things do not get better for him because no. there's another moth that's kind of uh, overshadowing him, who you know eventually puts a blaster in his gut. Yeah. So you know, there's <laughs> Hux has a bad year, but for right now, he's trying his best to claw his way back to the top. Now, wouldn't that be some good writing? Now, I know that we have no idea how closely Filoni was even if he had any type of involvement in the Rise of Skywalker or seen the script. We, you know, we we know nothing about that. But wouldn't that just be a nice establishment here if we see Hux again in a later episode and another failure from someone else that could be pushed off onto Hux or a failure of himself that could be pushed off to Hux, which brings in this new character from the Rise of Skywalker, which mm-hmm. is there, in my opinion, to babysit Hux. I think that that's what yes. this character's duty was in the Rise of Skywalker was, okay, you can't handle it. Here comes big boys here. We're bringing, we're bringing an old retired vet from the Empire to, to, to babysit you. Uh, yeah, who knows how it all plays out. I don't think we're going to get into that level of, you know, politics and and stuff within the First Order in Resistance, but makes for a fun headcanon because yeah. we do see how it all plays out. So it, it is interesting to try and fill in the gaps as much as we can. I here. can only be wrong so many times, John. <laughs> I was wrong about Yoda. I was wrong about the them, you know, mentioning how they wanted to distribute the the Yoda sure. juice. I was wrong about that. I was wrong about some other stuff. Well, I thought the aces were going to show up at the, you know, the battle of Exegol didn't happen. Yeah. I thought, you know, clone Ray was probably a shoe in made sense to me. You know, I mean, nobody knows, uh, where, where they're going with these storylines and, uh, it, the fun is in the speculation. Yeah. So, and of yeah. course, like there have been people that have, that work at Lucasfilm that have said that the Colossus was there. Of course we mm. don't see it, but apparently it was there. So if they're saying these type of things that it was there at that final battle, then although it's so hard, like, do you really, if you're Abrams, do you really give up that much information to a group that's writing a show to say, okay, they're going to this planet called Exegol to have this final battle. Like, do you really do that? If we want to see this animation, like you never know. It's it's so hard. See, here's the thing. This is, this gets back to the core of the issue. If they were really on top of things at Lucasfilm, they would have, there, there's time to have one meeting a month over Skype to say, you know, let's, let's confab and let's see if there's any way for us to dovetail our stories and, and make these uh, episodes that are all going to be coming out around the same time, a little bit more special. It should happen. Yeah. You know, like there, there's no reason for the amount of fan service that was in that movie. There's no reason why they couldn't have uh, devoted a little bit of screen time to that or mm-hmm. conversely devoted a bit more screen time to uh dovetailing it within resistance and you know we've gotten eight more episodes after right. this so there's still time i don't know exactly how it plays out because i i haven't watched ahead at this point but i feel like it's just another indication that people are working too much in silos mm-hmm. that there should be some sort of opportunity for them to compare notes and say, look, we're, we're all on the same team here. Let's, mm-hmm. let's make all this stuff kind of overlap and ha- let's have some fun with it and, you know, give the fans something special if they've been keeping up. Right. Um, 
I just, I get the feeling that we're not getting much of that just because that, uh, wasn't really established early enough in any of the processes of these productions for anyone to be thinking in terms of let's, you know, let's find that overlap. So, uh, missed opportunity mm-hmm. if you ask me, cause I, I think the ending of rise of Skywalker was very muddy and not in the right ways. Like, I feel like if you're going to have something that dense and chaotic, I would have rather have something a little more modest, but focus in and give us some characters that we care about. And when, you know, when they're in a high stakes game and you know that all the characters that you know and love are all part of it, I think that would have made that ending battle a lot more emotional for me personally. Oh yeah. Like if we had a roll call and you hear Hera in the ghost or you hear, you know, the aces, um, chime in or whatever, just if, <laughs> if, um, wedge can get a close up. <laughs> I feel like we could, have we could have got a, a roll call from the aces, but whatever. Yeah. That's, that's my gripe. Maybe in the three hour Abrams cut that we'll never see. Maybe, maybe it's in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things. It's so, it's so tough and you have someone like Abrams working on this project and Abrams is so, he's so secretive. I mean, this is a guy who worked on a show like lost where, People still are debating what the hell that show is about. Like, it's one of those things to where he's working so closely. And I think a lot of it, because I remember before The Force Awakens had come out, that there was a novelization or a comic book or something. Because I remember, basically, it was it was snatched away pretty quick. But there was uh, something that was released from Star Wars about... Uh, Han and Leia having a kid that goes to the mm. dark side. And this was after Disney had taken over. Like, I'm pretty sure this was like a Marvel comic where it was teasing about that, which was yeah. the biggest reveal of the force awakens. So, and I, th- and I think that this, because it was like an hour, it was like released for an hour and I'm sure Abram saw it and goes, <laughs> ah, sure. get that out of here. Yeah. This is why I don't work with people. Like it's so it was like know, some Lego packaging or something. That's right. Some, that's, I think yeah, it was some toy line that that had a synopsis that mm-hmm. got tweeted out or something early when they were coming off the printing presser. Yeah, I, I vaguely recall that. But you're 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 not wrong. And and they've they've made it. They've said it in no uncertain terms that Abrams intentionally was not mm-hmm. confabbing with the story group. They right. wanted to tell their story, and that's why you get so much in the Rise of Skywalker that uh, any. Um, Star Wars purist would be like, no, that's not mm-hmm. how the Sith work. There are thousands of them. Right. There's two of them. Like this is yeah. basic stuff. Like you would have gotten a lot of pushback on what they wanted to do with Rise of Skywalker because Abrams is thinking visually and in terms of emotional impact. He's not thinking about you know the the nerd minutia. Uh, so I think he was intentionally eschewing uh, yeah. that kind of influence. But I think it I think it has its place too. I think there's a Absolutely. balance to be struck. Well, this is even something where you had issues with the last and i know we're getting real deep we're gonna we're having deep cuts here <laughs> but we get you know the last jedi where ryan johnson had hadn't even seen the movie when he's making sure. his own movie yeah. to me that's a problem and and so while i want to get my hopes up about having something about hux and star wars resistance that shows his status kind of getting lower and lower mm-hmm. i think that would be very cool I think it would play in perfectly. It provides an opportunity to give a backstory to this character who's secretly worshiping the Sith still, but working yeah, yeah. under like like he's involved. We get kind of that end where he's talking to Sidious via hologram, and he's mm. like, "Yep, I'll serve you now as I once did." So that would just be cool to see that in in a show like Star Wars Resistance. Yeah. It would make the show more worthwhile. The real opportunity here is we know that between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, Hux goes from being uh, died in the wool first order guy to being a traitor. Right. It takes a lot to turn a person 
to be willing to do that. Uh, so there's the story right there. And, and that's why watching him kind of get beaten down by the first order time and time again, and not be able to get back that glory. And, uh, you know, his family were imperialists and he feels like this is his legacy to be grand in, in this empire. And, uh, to see that be snatched away from him would be very fun. Mm -hmm. I think that is really beyond (laughs) the scope or capability of resistance, but Hey, eight episodes, we'll find out. I mean, and we know, like, Kylo Ren has to have done something in this time period. Like, I get it. You're mad he force choked you, but eh, <laughs> sure, maybe you're a loyalist to Snoke. Yeah, there's got to be more. Whatever it is. Well, I think we're we're quickly swinging back into the First Order side of the story. Mm-hmm. So I think the opportunities are going to be opening up for a lot more intrigue that way. And that's where Kylo Ren's going to pop up. Right, and then of course Rucklin is the one that that traps Niku and Kaz. So maybe Hux plays a part in that, and in talking to him, maybe it's a punishment mm-hmm. style. Maybe it's a oh yeah, actually I am going to promote you. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, we know that there was a comment basically that they that Tam will be able to help the first order with the next move. So there was kind of mm-hmm. that that message that we overheard where okay, if they did this, this, and this, and we'll just get her to help us out some more. But we also know that that Tam helped out. Niku and Kaz so she's once again showing that she still cares about the people on Colossus even though she disagrees with them she doesn't want to see them annihilated because she overheard this conversation uh, with with Hux as well that basically yeah we're going to destroy any fueling station that doesn't comply so she knows that that means her friends are going to perish if they get caught right Mm -hmm. so she helps them out we'll see if this is revealed to the first order if somehow they find out that she did this or if it's in the final battle where she has a defining moment. I think they already know. Like we, we they haven't quite spelled it out, but the um the female intelligence officer, mm-hmm. the one that uh brought Tam in originally. Right. You get the sense that she's put two and two together. Yeah. Like every time Tam is in the vicinity of someone from the Colossus, they seem to win the day. Yep. What is going on here? I think she's going to go look at some security footage. Mm-hmm. She's going to put it together, see that, you know, Tam had to log in or whatever to override the doors or whatever it was. Like there's enough here that if they want to get to the bottom of it, they're going to, mm-hmm. but I think what's going to happen is they're going to let Tam make contact. They understand mm-hmm. she's not solid in the first order that her heart is on the Colossus and they're going to use that sort of like, you know, when Kaz reached out and that allowed them to track right. the Colossus in a previous episode back in the premiere. I think, um, they're probably going to try and use her as some sort of bait or allow her to walk them back to the Colossus. So I think that the intelligence officer is smart enough to understand that, uh, she's an asset, not because of her loyalty, but because of her connection, the mm-hmm. fact that ultimately she's going to stay loyal to them. So let's turn that and use it to our advantage. That's, that's kind of how I read that final scene there. Yep. I think that that's, I think that's on point. I think that this is going to be something we see played out. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's a gamble. It, it would no. be very <laughs> silly to announce, all right, this is our last season of Resistance, and it's just going to end with another filler episode. Thank you much for coming, but have a nice day. No. Yeah. It's all it's all leading towards Tam's big moment to figure out what side she's truly on and hopefully help our heroes to make their way to Exegol <laughs> or wherever, wherever, wherever they're off to at the end of the series. Yeah, this was a great episode. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. it was I felt like it got us back on track. It it was yep. definitely something that contributed to the storyline that we were coming into this 
season expecting. So we get that. Yeah, no, no, this, this walked a much better line for our type of viewing of the show where we want to have a little bit of substance and uh, some poignant moments. And we want to understand what's going on behind, you know, characters. And we got a lot more of that in this. And yeah. So at the end of it, I was thinking, yeah, you know what? Back on track. Yeah. This feels like quality television that I was glad I tuned in for. And uh, yeah, makes me very hopeful that with these last eight episodes, we get a lot more of this type of resistance and hopefully a little less on the, uh, you know, the filler side of things. And I know that we are behind on our episodes and we're a couple episodes behind. I have not gone forward and watched the rest of them. So I have no idea what the rest of mm-hmm. episodes have in store for us. I haven't even looked at the titles. So I have no idea what the next episodes are about. But just so that our audience knows, we're going to be doubling up. We're going to be doing two a week from here on out so that when the Clone Wars drops in the middle mm-hmm. of February, that the week before is when we're going to be tackling the two part finale of resistance. Yep. So, uh, it's going to be a seamless transition from resistance to season seven of the clone wars. That's why we're doing two a week. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll finally be caught back up from all the winter craziness and movies and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, be able to go into clone wars with a clean plate. And I am so, 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 so excited. <laughs> about the clone wars i mean they just keep they just keep releasing some like screenshots like oh man they haven't given us much but just enough to really wet the appetite like just enough like out there like because we know of course if you watch the clone wars if you haven't spoiler go watch the clone wars <laughs> but we know that maul plays a part in clone wars mm-hmm. and then we they release some uh some shots from some of these episodes and it looks like we might be getting him back so yeah yeah, this this looks like it's gonna be fun. I think they're pulling out all the stops. I think we're gonna we're gonna fill in a lot of gaps. Uh, we know that there's a Mandalorian storyline. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we want to revisit Ahsoka and get that much closer to where things pick back up in Rebels. So yeah, and well, even uh, Maul's story comes to a conclusion in Rebels. So <laughs> we've got yeah, we've just got one more opportunity to start stitching them together those two series and uh yeah it looks like we're gonna we're gonna have some fun oh absolutely and maybe we'll get some saturday night live cameos in clone (laughs) wars but if we don't john where can people get a good saturday night live cameo that was an excellent segue if anyone would love to hear a podcast where we break down new episodes of Saturday night live and all of the lore and minutia surrounding that comedy institution. They can go to snlpodcast.com or search for SNL after party in all of your major podcasting apps. Uh, yeah, we do a deep dive. We have a lot of fun. It's a good show. I'm proud of it. And, uh, yeah, check us out. SNL after party. Our listeners can keep up with this show throughout the week on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk. You can email us at hello at StarWarsTVTalk.com. You can find the rest of our shows online at StarWarsTVTalk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star review. We've had some new ones come in lately. It's exciting. It gives us necessary feedback so that we can keep the show going, so that we can give you more of what you like, less of what you don't like, hopefully. And of course, you can find the TV Talk podcasts at tvtalk.fm. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening, and may the force be with you always.